Well, welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I'm Chris Bryant. We wanted to start something a little different and counter to what many have been taught or learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological, focusing on what the early church thought. What we are going to talk about isn't some new idea, but rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible and this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask the Lord how to best apply it. We will talk about this material each week, and we have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about His Word with us. Welcome back to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast, and this month, the month of February, we are going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. I've heard a couple of people talking about this is happiness and joy. We hear those words and when we relate it to the walk of a Christian, they can mean two different things. So we want to address those. And through this month, we're going to be focusing on contentment. So as we walk through each of these, we're going to address a different aspect of contentment in the life of a believer. And so I think the, the best place to start is just what in the world is this happiness and joyfulness that that we hear? Are they synonymous? Are they not? Some translations have them synonymous. Some translations uh, keep the two separated. So, Ricky, I've got you joining me on this one to talk a little bit about this. I'm sure you see a lot of these words used within evangelical circles. Yeah, indeed. Um, and you're right. I they they can be those two words can be interchangeable and sometimes they are not which is not surprising right words are words are beautiful little instruments you know they every word has nuances and every yeah. Yeah. every word's meaning is never driven by the dictionary it has to be driven by the context yeah and that would be true for these two words so let me ask you uh if we're looking at what what would the similarities be, but when we get into abiding in the Lord and experiencing the joy of the Lord or the contentment with the Lord, how do they differ? Well, I think the similarities is there's an excitement and that there is some sort of positive feeling overall with, you know, whatever the joy or the happiness is is based on. I think that there's a satisfaction that comes with each of them. And then, you know, as, as we grow into the, the differing, uh, I don't think in, in society there's a difference. I think because, you know, when we jump into the difference, I think we'll see the difference is based on, well, what is the circumstance that brought about these emotions? So, mm-hmm. In society, joy and happiness can be synonymous because everything in in the secular world is all about our circumstances. Oh, I got this this dream job that I'm just so excited about. Oh, I've I got I I've found the man or woman of my dreams. Uh, I finally won that you know Powerball nine hundred ninety nine million dollars, and <laughs> yeah. and so like there's a there's a satisfaction with all of those different circumstances, even I got a dollar raise. Oh, I'm happy for this. Yes. 
I I rejoice in this. You know, I, there's a a special level of excitement that comes in those things, and I and I think in the secular world, and even in a lot of worldly Christians, they're going to be like, yeah, I, I I hear that there's a difference between the two, but I don't see a difference in the two. It's mostly just the same to me. Yeah, I, I think you're I think you're right on. I I think even. If we were to look it up in a dictionary, we would find that probably the, you know, in the primary position, primary definition, joy and and happiness are synonyms. But I think when you filter down to second, third, and fourth definitions, then those circumstances come into play for the word happiness. Happiness is dependent upon, as you put it, some kind of positive experience. Well, joy is dependent upon a positive experience, the biblical joy, but it's just one positive experience. It's not dependent upon the rise and fall of my physical environment. It's dependent upon my relationship with the Lord. And when we abide in Christ as this entire series of abiding podcast is talking about not just here talking about joy, but you know, the, the, I don't know how many we've done now, you know, quite a few in abiding. We in staying close with the Lord and learning how to do that. We also learn how to see the presence of God in our life. And, and Jesus in John chapter 15 uh, makes this point abundantly clear when he talked about the fruit of the vine. He's the vine, we're the branches. The father is the vine dresser. As the son abides in the father, so we abide in the son. And in verse 11 of chapter 15, he says, and, and all of this then leads to us having his joy complete in our life. So the only thing required for our joy, the joy that we're looking at, is a, is a wonderful abiding life in Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. All the other stuff comes and goes, but at our core, we can experience joy. So a, a Christian who's abiding in the Lord can experience joy even while experiencing deep sorrow, can, can experience joy even while experiencing deep godly dissatisfaction with something or with with pain or physical emotional social we can experience joy in the middle of all of that yeah yeah and i think in john you were talking about john 15 11 um the words that he uses there just hit me these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and yeah. your joy may be made full. Yeah. And that that is, you know, you said a one one event, but it's a continuous event. And I think that's something that maybe we we miss out on when we don't allow God to continue. If we we don't abide in the Lord, we forget that yeah. he abides in us. We forget that 
he is actually present in our lives and he wants to be active in our lives. So then maybe the, the Christian who says, yeah, yeah, you know, I've, I'm a Christian, but I there's there's a lot of times I don't feel joy. Well, I I think you're right, but I think the problem is not that joy does not have a place in you. I think you're forgetting about the presence of the one who brings you to the joy. You know, yeah, if, I to- totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I use the word event, that would be wrong. But the one circumstance, the one situation, as as you're pointing out, is abiding in the Lord. And as a result, the Lord's joy can be made full or complete in us. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful because um, there are so there are associated words in the, in the Bible for joy, you know, rest in the Lord, have peace in the Lord, the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Uh the Apostle Paul said in, in Philippians chapter 4, I've learned to be content in all things, you know, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So there are other words that go along with it that kind of help describe what's happening. So yeah, joy can be very thrilling and happy, but that peace, contentment, restfulness, joy, you know, because of the presence of God can also be there even when we're feeling some some sorrowful kind of feelings at the same time. And what a wonderful thing it is to, to be, to be anchored in the joy of the Lord when we're going through dark nights of the soul. Yeah. I think and you were saying with the, the one circumstance, you know, having Christ in our, in our life, I look at it like this, and and I teach my kids this too. When we look at if we get accepted by the college that we want, if we get that dream job, if we get to go on that, that dream vacation, all of those things potentially have an end. They can change. The economy yep. crashes, and that dream job is no longer needed. They realize like, yeah, this was great when we – when we had the extra capital for it, but we don't have that. So we're going to cut all these jobs. And we see that in the market today, you know, hundreds of thousands of jobs have been cut just this past month from what I'm reading from some big companies like Tesla and Amazon. Maybe some of those people had dream jobs that they're like, yes, this is awesome. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. And then their job gets cut a couple months later. So then it's a change in the circumstances. Now the happiness is less, if at all. And now they have to go find because of the fear of, or the anxiety of, well, well now I've got to find something else. So any of the earthly-based sources of, we'll call it joy, sources of happiness, sources of excitement and contentment, those can change on a whim. If I'm an all-star athlete, and I'm at the top of my game, and then I get a, a an injury. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, you know, as 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 they say in the movie Alien, game over, man. So there's no there's no ability to control those circumstances. The wrong helmet in the wrong place, the wrong twist of the ankle, and I'm out. You know, the so many different factors can play into that. So when we look at it from the earthly perspective. These things can change on the, you know, the the turn of a dime on the, the blink of an eye. 
so then what I've been helping my kids to see and kids don't see this very easily, but I guess adults may not either is when we look at, okay, but what can we put our hope, our joy, our contentment in that won't change? Is there anything in this world that cannot or will not change? And just thinking through that, I mean, think about it in your own life. Is there anything that can change? Well, I'm a father. Can that change? Well, what happens if my kids are no longer on this earth? Am I still a father? Well, I was a father. Do I still retain the fatherhood? Yes, but it's not in the same aspect as it was. So even being a father doesn't doesn't stay consistent. What if my kids move out? Then they don't really ask my advice anymore. Then I'm a father who desperately wants to pour into my kids' lives and be a part of them, but maybe they've got their own lives and they don't they don't need dad anymore. Uh, at least not in the same capacity that they did before. So we can see, you know, that changes. So then I go to my church. Well, maybe I switch churches. Maybe I have to move. So I can't really put it in my church, which we're getting closer, right? But is there one thing, Ricky, that doesn't and cannot change? Only the Lord. <laughs> Only Just the Lord. the Lord. Yeah. This is this is the the whole problem for instance, with therapy. I, I would always counsel people to get good counseling, to learn about their their lives, their, their inner struggles. But there's a component in the best of therapy that's missing. And that's the immutable, the unchangeable. So what are we dependent upon? If we're dependent upon, as you put it, the temporary, and everything that's physical is by default temporary. We can lose it in good circumstances or poor circumstances. And when we lose it, if we're dependent, if we're ultimately dependent upon it for our significance, our security, our satisfaction, our our destiny, our our joy then when it's gone, the thing we were dependent upon is no longer there. Some people say, well, that's why you have to fight through to finding peace within yourself. You know, and people will say, you know, you have to, you, you can't love others till you learn to love yourself. Well, <laughs> they, they dismiss the idea then that we ourselves are temporary. We will fail ourselves. Uh, because the human condition in this fallen state is temporary. The only, the only solid thing in the universe is the Lord himself. And so if we're going to find meaning and purpose that produces joy, contentment, peace, rest, it, 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 it must come from the Lord. And, so whatever so whatever we we're dealing with in life good or bad negative or positive everything other than the lord is temporary even if a person says well that's why you have to find your peace in yourself learn to love yourself the problem with that is we change we yeah. fail ourselves and and i'm not suggesting that failure is always rotten and bad it's just the state of being human uh, sometimes people die. Sometimes people 
let us down. Sometimes we have problems and we let ourselves down. The only thing that we can depend on permanently is God. And so that intimacy with him becomes vital in if we're going to truly find joy and peace, contentment, and rest, satisfaction, meaning, purpose, destiny, you know, you name it. It's all dependent on something that's eternal and, and never changing. Yeah. I was, I was thinking also that all the things that you named earlier, like marriage or landing the perfect job or something like that. What if we thought about it like this? God is my perfect job. The Lord is my perfect marriage. The Lord is my beloved. Uh, the Lord is my ultimate goal. The Lord is my greatest action plan. My, The Lord is my first day of the rest of my life. All of those things that we talk about landing and achieving and, and holding on to for meaning and purpose and joy, all of them are best met in a relationship with God. And that's what abiding is all about, right? Learning to, learning to recognize that he truly, truly is here. God is here. He's not silent. He spends time with us. Amen. Yeah. I also want to bring up, so we said the constant of God can help solidify us, anchor us, right? Through all of these different things. But what about if we look at it in the reverse as well, which can be good news? So what about the traumas that happened to me? What if I was abused as a child or molested or assaulted as an adult or a teen? Those things typically have a far-reaching consequence for the one who's been the victim or the survivor of that. So in, in a lot of cases, even through therapy, that brings up triggers, that brings up a whole identity is attached to that, right? But now let's let's look at the temporary versus the constant. So if everything else is temporary, then in those specific instances, the good news is that the identity attached to that can be temporary too. The, the triggers attached to that can be temporary too. Now, can that ever be erased? Not any more than me being married gets erased. Not any more than the children that came from my marriage will be erased. Even as my kids grow up and, and move away, or God forbid one of them was taken up to the Lord early, uh, they would not be erased, just like those traumas weren't erased. And they don't have to be as egregious as that, but it could just be neglect. I, I could just be ignored as a child. You know, children should be seen, not heard. Something of that instance or that situation. Those yeah. things yeah. have this dramatic <laughs> effect on the lives of children. When we walk through these abiding discipleship groups, one of the focuses that we talk about is that these cause what we call defense mechanisms. And they, they use those terms in counseling too. So these defense mechanisms are made from my flesh trying to protect me from these instances. You know, it could be reclusion or isolation. It could be shame and blame games. It could be anger to rage continuum. It could just be self-loathing or hatred of oneself or hatred of other people. But all of these are defense mechanisms or coping skills that we develop because of those, those traumas. 
Well, again, the good news is that those can be temporary. And the constant is always God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those are a constant, a universal constant. They will always be there. They've always been there because they are immutable, as you said, unchanging. But they're also, you know, we're thinking in the, the temporal but they're in the infinite, you know, they are outside of time. So there's, there's never going to be a time past, present or future that they don't exist. Well, we'll, we'll go in even more into the, the abiding through, and we've talked about abiding through the storm and abiding through all of these uh, different circumstances. But the great news is when we abide in the Lord, he will heal the heart of those. And, I mean a complete healing of the heart. The triggers, they can be paved over. There's no longer that bump in the road. The trauma, that the identity that comes from that trauma, which usually causes self-hatred or hatred of others, all those defense mechanisms, they can also be overridden, not by changing how we think about those situations and not by trying to bypass them and not by looking at certain points in a room, but they can literally be overcome because you don't have to be that person. And it's not like a, a mental, like a, I think, therefore I am. I, I don't think I'm that person, so I'm not. No, but when we get an identity from the constant, which is the Lord, then all of a sudden those things, they don't take the same hold in our life. It's not a stronghold that the enemy can use to really uh, infiltrate our life. It's not a an emotional tie to that anymore. It's a, I remember this happened to me many years ago and it was, it was such an awful situation that I was in, but the Lord has brought me out of that. And I'm so thankful that he brought me through that and that I survived. And though I, I experienced that perhaps, you know, in my life, I'll be able to reach out to others who've experienced this and bring them the same joy that I have, that God was, with me and protected me, maybe not in the sense that I would have asked to be protected, but he walked through this journey with me of healing and of um, re repurposing my identity. Right. Yeah. That's, that's really well said. I, you're right. You know, I just, I'm, I'm just really reveling in what you were saying that whole idea that even even the horribleness of this world is temporary and it's subject to the power of God in our lives, right? And in some cases, God will choose to overwrite some of those things to the place where we don't even suffer the the emotional pangs when it, when it comes to mind. And, you know, and I, I hold that out as a promise in some cases, but you know, what's even, even more amazing is the Lord Jesus himself teaches us that even if the negative sorrow or suffering does not go away, we can live with peace and contentment because of the grace of God in our lives. 
We saw this in Jesus as he was preparing for the cross. When in the garden, he prayed three different times, at least three different times, we're, we're told in Scripture. Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass before me, in refer referring to the death on the cross. You know, and, and it's prefaced by saying he was filled with sorrow, and he, he literally, you know, sweat uh, drops of blood. And yet he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And for the and in the book of Hebrews, it tells us, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so you say, well, it's Jesus doing that. Of course he can do it. But if we were to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we see the Apostle Paul uh, making the same point. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians about a problem that he had. He said this, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. In other words, God was doing with Paul what he does with very few people. He was giving him direct inspiration and revelation. In order to keep me from becoming conceited, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. I believe that three times is his way of saying, I prayed a lot. God, please take this from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He's finding the joy, rest, peace, contentment in the Lord, even though the negative circumstances don't go away. Why? Because the positive circumstance of being close to God, the grace of God, is more than sufficient to overwrite the pain of our circumstantial problems. So, this is the distinction between abiding in the Lord and good counseling, really good counseling and, and therapy, which helps us to learn about ourselves and about our situations and, and how to rethink and how to cognitively process our issues, which I would always encourage people to do, but only, only when it's anchored in this intimacy we have in the Lord. Because both Jesus and his apostles and the prophets before the apostles teach us over and over this truth about God. Even in the negative circumstances, we can have this positive joy in our life that is stronger than all the other stuff. And that joy and that strength is not the joy itself. It's the presence of God that produces the joy. And so, as Paul puts it, even in our weaknesses, even in our trials and and tribulations, even in the dark night of the soul, we can experience this strength of the presence of God and know true joy and, and peace and contentment and agenda harmony with the Lord. I can't, I can't even begin to describe how tingly and excited I get about, about that truth and about people learning that truth, you know, uh, to see it at play in our lives and to see you know, not just myself or you, 
or many people I've known, but the potential of, of seeing the potential of others heal and learn to experience the presence of God, producing a joy that overcomes the mixed up, goofy, sometimes crazy desires that keep us, you know, enmeshed or in bondage. Yeah. Um, I love the way you describe that because I never really thought about it in terms of that. E even the crud is temporary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to go more and more into it this month. So don't think we're not revisiting that aspect, but you know, for the Christian new or old and by old, I mean, experienced veteran, been a Christian for many years. Even if you are not feeling that joy, we're going to, we're going to talk, we're actually dedicating two different episodes this month. One to the, the place that God's word plays. The other one is surrender, but talking about those, you know, yes, that stuff can happen. And the only way to replace it is to have a, an understanding of God's presence in our life, not just academically and not just cognitively, but to truly understand that God is with me, to believe that to my core, that he is with me, even through these circumstances. When you were mentioning those, some of the, and especially with Paul, I thought of Mary Magdalene, like mm. what she must have gone through. You know, we don't mm. get the full picture, but we do know that she had something driven from her. I can't even imagine what life was like to have demons inside of me, possessing me in different aspects. I can't yeah. understand the fear, the trembling that would be in my life. And when Jesus had done that and taken that from her, and we see her even to the end following Jesus up into the day of the cross, the joy that she must have felt just being in the physical presence of Christ. And then when he was taken to, to feel the potential for despair, but then later, you know, over the next week or so to realize, wait a minute, this can be permanent. Like I can have that inside of me and then to live that out the rest of my life. Then I would know there's no way I can ever go back to that because this is permanent. You know, so you, you have like the Mary Magdalene's, you have even the, the early church, we read about some of the martyrs, some of the Christians in Rome or in the provinces of Rome who walked, walked through the life they were, they were, they were following what we're talking about. And then they were found out to be Christians. And, you know, you had leaders like Nero and, and those Her Heroditus, no, Herod, Herod and, and all those others. But, uh, <laughs> They wanted to destroy this, this thing because they didn't bow down to an emperor. You know, they bowed down only to one, and that was Yahweh. So we we hear the the tales of what they did to early Christians. They threw them into these coliseums. They threw them into these games arenas, and they would sick rabid dogs on them, or you know, wild, hungry, starved dogs. They'd use lions or you know, captured beasts to maul them. They would throw them in with gladiators to stab them or hack away at them. 
we we hear about all this, but then we also hear that some of them sat in the middle of these arenas and they sang. Some of them just sat there knowing what was going to happen and they raised their arms to heaven and they looked joyful. In fact, we even get this uh, this kind of a, a feel from Stephen, you know, the first yeah. martyr recorded in, in Acts. And we see Stephen who stands up and is clearly being inspired by the Holy Spirit when he goes through the entirety of the history of Israel and God's purposing um, ultimately the salvation for them. And you see the priests are gnashing their teeth, but they look at him and his face looks like that of an angel. Like, yeah. <laughs> I I can't imagine what that looks like except in like the movie or the cartoon reference. But then they're stoning him and he's not like sorrowful. He's not like, oh, woe's me. There's another rock that hit me. We see this like absolute contentment and even a pity for those who are who are trying to kill him, right? Like that doesn't come from happiness in life. His circumstances were screwed, man. Like there's no better way to say that. Like there's no chance of a, a life for him. There's no chance of a family. There's no chance of a dream job. There's no chance, you know, of the worldly version of those. But if you think his dream job was to make known the truth of Christ, then he had the dream job. If you talk about his marriage to the lamb, then he was on his way to the wedding ceremony as they were throwing those rocks at him. So, yes, I, I think you can see that. But even in the biblical context, you can see a lot of these New Testament believers living out this, this true joy that doesn't make sense. It's something that we can't grasp. I'm speechless. <laughs> it is. It's it's uh, this is the wonder and the beauty of it. And almost and I think shockingly surprising because oftentimes salvation is pitched by the church almost a pro in a prosperity sense. If you come to Jesus, everything's going to be, you know, hunky-dory. Everything's going to be peaches and cream. Sure. All the troubles go away. This is not true. We are not, you know, come to Jesus and become exempt from all the pain of living on planet Earth. This is not true. What is true is that in the middle of everything, in the middle of our hurts and our pain and our and our victories as well. In abiding carefully with the Lord, we learn to translate our pain into the glory of God. And so, you know, Paul says, I fill up on the Lord's sufferings for your sake. Um, we, we just can't avoid that. Are, are we therefore condemned to pain all the time? No, but some of us more than others. But this is the distinction between abiding in Christ, the true cathartic therapy of knowing Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit, is that we get peace, joy, contentment, rest, in good times and bad, we get, we still are in harmony. We still 
are okay. We're still vitally active. We're still capable. We're still regulated. We're still balanced. We are made mature and complete human beings, able to endure and persevere. And it's it's a better picture than counseling could ever conceive of. Counseling apart from the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, when you were describing it, I just said to there listening, I was thinking, you know, five years ago, uh five years ago you were singing a different song. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, it's just uh you know, me and 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 shortly before that I was singing a different song. Every every believer who's abiding in Jesus knows that before this we were singing a different song. And now now it's now the wonder of the presence of God changes everything. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I was singing like a Metallica song five minutes, five years ago. <laughs> it was an angry one. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I was, you know, back to the Apostle Paul, you know, so he had this thorn in the flesh. People argue, what kind of negative circumstance was that? Was that a physical calamity? Was it, you know, some people suggested it was his, he, even though he was a public speaker, he, he was diminutive in appearance. He possibly stuttered, uh, you know, all kinds of different things have been proposed. But the context itself, he says, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. So the word messenger is angelos or age angel. And, and the word, you know, Satan is Satan. <laughs> so an angel of Satan. Uh, it, the word Satan is not even translated. It's just that's what it, it's Satan in Greek and Satan in English. Um, and when you look at you study the life of the Apostle Paul, he was constantly confronted with with the forces of darkness, the, the demonic. You know, who would not want to be freed from that? I know I, I know I don't want to have to deal with anything like that. So if it is the forces of darkness that's in mind here, and I think that's the best contextual choice, he's not freed from that. He's given peace and joy and contentment, even when he has to confront that darkness. And why? Because he's partnered with God. The presence of God goes with him. He hears regularly from God through abiding and you know, I mean, I, I wonder how often folks listen to the podcast, but then go, yeah, but how do we do that? You know, how do we, how do we know the presence of God? And and so dear listener, just as an aside and as, as kind of a, as an encouragement, uh, many, many of our podcasts have gone into great depth as to what it looks like and to, to know the presence of God in our life. And I would encourage you to go back and look some of those up. Yeah. Because it's very important. If we don't yeah. understand that he's actually been communicating with us, then yeah. we may say, well, God's not, I, I don't hear from God. He's not with me. Yeah. And then that goes back into, well, what do I put my joy in? Well, right. if I don't have that presence of the Lord or I don't hear it, then I have to put it in my circumstances. And I go yeah. right back into those those things that I learned before. So, yeah, that's a really good point, Ricky. Yeah. So, and, and well, I was going to say, I, I can I can almost hear the yeah, buts, you know, yeah, but you don't know my situation. Yeah, but 
you don't know my situation. And, and I always want to answer that challenge with, you know, with your yeah, but, or my yeah, but, or a hundred other yeah, buts, right? Uh, we too have yeah, buts. The apostle Paul had yeah, buts. Most importantly, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, and Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace. He had a major yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but I went to the cross and I say, and, and yet before going there in his garden prayer, he, he addressed it. Father, if there's another way, let's do this a different way. Let's not do this. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be. It was all about translating his pain for the glory of his father. And then he gives us the same privilege of saying, as I abide in my father, you abide in me. As I translate the will of the father for his glory, grooviness or hurtfulness, you translate your grooviness or your hurtfulness for my glory, good or bad, sorrowful or happy, that will produce true joy and contentment in our lives. Yeah, and, and just finishing up, the, the last thing that Jesus prayed before going to the garden, if we look at John 17, yeah, I want to read, I want to read this because I think this can give us the context of, you know, you know, he was in that garden, but he was thinking of us too. He yeah. says in verse 25, O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have made your no name known to them and will make it known, so that the love with which you loved me. So again, this is with the love of the Father, the first member of the Trinity, loving the Son, the second member of the Trinity, may be in them and I in them. So that's just imagine for a moment if you could even understand one small morsel of how much God the Father loves God the Son. And he said, not only that, but all of this other that you don't understand, that that love may be in you. This is not talking to the current disciples. This is talking to um, us that come from those disciples uh, and the apostles. So I mean, that's, that's a pretty solid thing to stand on. And it's not just you get it one day and you, you know, you, you were naughty. So he takes it away. That's, that's a permanent thing. So again, there's so much in God's word and we're going to go into that on that third podcast of this month, but there's so much in God's word that communicates this, that joy causing circumstance that uh, I can't wait to jump into it, Ricky, to be honest. Yeah, well, borrowing from the Lord Jesus talking to Peter, where Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, Simon and Peter, same person. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And that's true. You know, that was not revealed to you by man, Chris. That was revealed to you by the Father in heaven, what you just shared. Not only some time ago when you learned it by hearing a preacher or, and then you went to look it up in scripture, but in that very moment in time, you know, kind of bringing us to a conclusion of our podcast, it was God, the father, the son and Holy spirit in real time, reminding you of that, of that truth. And that's the primary 
evidence of the presence of God, you know, that as we are, as you were going, we're going through this with a lot of it, you know, we kind of talk about ahead of time and, and prepare for, but these, these, these moments that look kind of just like a, Oh, well, there goes uh, Chris down a, a Bible rabbit trail. No, <laughs> if you're going down a rabbit trail, it's God who took you down that rabbit trail. And he reminded you of that truth. You know, John 14, verse 26 is tells us that, right? And elsewhere. So praise God. Like I said, every time you just keep inviting me to this thing because it seems like I'm permanent. And I, I love that. And uh, I don't know how far into the future the memoirs of abiding podcast will go, but I hope someday I'm 96 years old, grayer than I am now voice a little bit creaky and croaky. And we're still talking about these things. <laughs> Man, I'll be in my sixties or something by that point. Let's not, let's not address that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the truth that is your presence and the permanence of it. God, we thank you that you aren't a God who gives and then takes away. You're not a God who shows up and then disappears for a period of time, Lord, but you are a God who is intentional in our lives, who's compassionate. You've seen from the beginning to the end, all of our lives, you've seen them interweave into your purpose, into your sovereign plan in this world, Lord. And we thank you uh, on the, the last month that we really started addressing your will. And now what we want to do is we want to we want to bask in, in your will and being a part of your kingdom. And in doing so, to be content with all of our circumstances, or at least start on that road. So I pray over the next few podcasts that, that some minds can be illuminated with your word, that uh, some of these themes will take heart in people's devotions, and people's prayers and people's thoughts throughout the day, Lord. And so in doing that, that they might find this joy made complete, that they might find this love that you had for um, within the Trinity that is now in us, Lord. So we ask for that uh, that knowledge and understanding to come about in truth. And, and we love you that you are faithful in that. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we want to end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. As you walk through this week, we encourage you to review the scriptures and themes we talk about, and ask the Holy Spirit to team up with you to bring this information to life personally in your walk. Thank you for listening, and God bless.